Hey everyone, welcome back to the New Era Property Podcast. This is our episode two of the new rebanded show. Banded, not banded, rebranded. Let's start that again. (laughs) (laughs) We need to edit that out. Hey everybody, and welcome back to episode two of the New Era Property Podcast. Now, I say episode two. We've got about 100 episodes already, but we've got a rebrand. So we've moved away from what was cup of tea with rick g i say that with a tear in my eye which we started about five years ago (laughs) thank you lorraine started about five years ago and we've gone grown up now we've gone big so we're going to have this now as the new era property podcast so we're going to be here every wednesday for about 30 minutes i'm going to talk about all things property what's happening in the market strategies tips and tricks and tales from the front line so today's show We're talking about houses in multiple occupation. And the question is, are HMOs a job? Oh, well, it's a great question, isn't it? And it was actually a question that was asked of us um, a couple of days ago. Somebody who was who was just inquiring really whether they should do single single lets or whether they should do HMOs. And their kind of their first thought was, but aren't HMOs a job? So we just thought we'd discuss that today. So. Rick, there are lots of TLAs, three-letter acronyms in um, property. So you're the expert on HMOs. Tell us, what is a HMO? Oh, I'm the expert. Thank you. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) What is a HMO? A HMO is a house in, not of, by the way, everybody, it's in. That's a housing classification. House in multiple occupation. Now, before we go any further, Lorraine, I I say HMO. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's not H, is it? Is it H or H? I, I don't know. I can't really hear the difference. I mean, like... You can't hear the difference? Well, I, I'll, okay, can you hear the difference now? So, HMO or HMO? Well, nobody goes around <laughs> saying H, do they? So, I mean, like, you'd be a bit of a... Um, can I swear on this podcast? No. So, what is... what? Well, what's the right way to say it? So, you know, I mean, I say NHS, not NHS. So, really, it should be NHS. Yeah, but now, now I'm thinking you're talking about the National Health Service because you just went... NHS. I know. NH, exactly. <laughs> so H should be H in the same context, right? Uh, sorry, anyway. what are we talking about? HMOs <laughs> or no the idea. NHS? I've no idea. Okay. How do we get there? Right, so houses in multiple occupation. So the definition of a HMO is three or more people forming more than one household, generally with shared facilities. So if that's you, that's a HMO. So it's also lots of people will call them multilets. Maybe um, student lets, house shares, and now it's sort of this buzzword of communal living. But if it fits within that three or more people forming more than one household, then it's a HMO regardless. So why are they perceived as a job, Lorraine? What are your thoughts? Well, I think people think, well, first of all, people don't understand them. And something they don't understand, they're trying to dismiss and put off because it's a little bit like, hard work to actually get to that understanding would be better if we actually define what a job is first well yeah and you got me thinking when you sort of introduced the show when you said about the new what the new era podcast and i sort of thinking okay what what does our brand stand for where are we and what what does new era really mean to to a person listening to this podcast well it's all about your new era and how where you are in your life and what you're doing now we're, we're sold I want to say the lie, but perhaps that's too strong. We sold the the vision of a a somebody's life about being a in education, getting a career, then going out and getting a job, getting a mortgage, 
having a family and then retiring. And that seems to be the pattern, the pattern, the era that people live through. They, they have these things they go through through their lives. Well, we're looking at property in the way it is a new era. It's something that you can move into and actually have as a job, have as a passion, a career. Um, and a lot of people really love property because of the opportunities it creates you. Well, I would see a job as trading time for money. Mm. What's your view? I think it's the same, trading time for money. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone, we've, we've been and sometimes very often are still guilty of that. You do consultancy, you're trading your time for money. If you work for yeah. somebody else, you're trading your time for money. But it's not the same with property. And I think that it's really important that you don't, if you're looking to leave your job, you're not replacing one job with another. Yeah. And when people, I mean, we're talking today about HMOs specifically, but if we can just sort of go off on a very slight tangent, and I know that there are people out there that want to get into deal sourcing, and that's cool, want to get into selling deals and, you know, and flipping property. Well, if you're going to leave a job to do that, then all you're doing is leaving one job to create another. Absolutely. Now, and you're getting away from that security because at least in your job, you might have been unhappy. You might have not wanted to be there anymore, but you're getting paid and you're getting paid every month. Whereas as soon as you make that break and you go into something that is requiring your time, like flipping deals, like selling deals and deal sourcing, then at the end of each month, you have to wipe that sales board clean and you've got to start all over again. You've got to hustle, you've got to find them and then you've got to sell them. Yeah. Now, it's not the same when you purchase property and rely on that residual monthly income because it should be there every month, providing the property is occupied. So there's a small hustle when you have to fill the property, but it doesn't have to be from you. And then you can get paid every month without having to hustle, without having to wipe that sales board clean at the end of next month. Yeah, absolutely. And that, it's not a subject that's talked about enough, mm. how we earn our money. We we talk about getting careers, getting high paid salaries. But you know what? It's, it's fr- well, it depends on which profile you're at. I mean, you it's frowned upon when you talk about money or people not. I think the way social media has now and it's the way that it's evolved is that going back five, six years ago, there were way more people showing their wealth on social media, almost bragging, almost showing off. Whereas now, if you do that, you're deemed as actually being too showy, being too crass and being too, I don't know, too exaggerated. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I think the words success, um, mm. high productivity, you know, they're kind of almost like dirty words now because actually people don't want to be more productive, do you? You don't, you don't want to actually increase your productivity, do more in the time that you have. You want to spend time doing what you want to do. You want your own freedom. So to to show off and, and put that success and brass under people's noses, I think people are getting a bit turned off for that whole mm. that scenario. It's all, I agree. It's about them. It's about what they want to do. But you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Now, I know this is about HMOs today. It's not really about social media. But sometimes, you know, people will say, well, actually, you just do a lot of talking, prove it. So then you give them a case study of a property and a HMO that you've just done, or maybe even a rent to rent. And this is a true case study. So somebody said to me on one of my socials not long ago, oh, you do all of this talking, but actually, do you have any yourself? So I did a post of a rent to rent HMO that I got for the price of a stamp because it was from a landlord campaign. It was already occupied. It was already done to a good standard. So it cash flowed about £1,200 a month from the day we took it over and it didn't cost us anything. So I did that. I put it on social media. It had about 
seven or eight hundred thousand views and then everybody came back at me saying it's it's a load of rubbish it's, it's not real <laughs> so, yeah what do you do but but you're i think the perception is that you're lucky that sometimes somehow you're entitled that somehow you're in a privileged position that's created that that opportunity for you i, I think the, the idea of hard work to get somewhere to, to achieve something we're in a get rich quick culture everybody wants social media has almost taught us for instant gratification you post something on tiktok you can get a million views and likes and what have you in a few seconds so a few seconds <laughs> i'm not seeing any of your tiktoks that I've got. <laughs> yeah tiktok's definitely not my thing um yeah so it's one of those really where you know i exaggerate but we are looking for that instant gratification but you know, bringing it back to there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing, and society needs people who do jobs, right? We need people to to do that. So I think we have to to think about how how we all live together, how we all get on, and and social media is typifying the whole thing at the moment, where there seems to be quite a lot of angst, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, um, a lack of opportunity for some. Um, but I think what we're saying is that actually for property for the price of the stamp anybody can get into this yeah you know and that's the beauty of it yeah so they are perceived of jobs i think a lot of people when we talk about hmos they go oh no hmos i want to get a single let first i want to cut my teeth on a single let first that's the that's the phrase that people say that's the statement do you think that people should cut their teeth on a single let first before hmos or if you're going to go it you know if it's a house you can either rent it as a single let or subject to planning and licensing you could rent the same house that's cost you the same amount of money to buy because it would have been a single let you could convert it into a hmo for maybe just three people perhaps you're going to get more cash flow doing that it's the same investment in and the likelihood is that if you can get a good valuation on the property you might very well be able to refinance some or even more of your money back out on the other side if it's a hmo so should you cut your teeth first on a single let or should you just spend the same amount of cash and go for a HMO? Right, okay, I'm going to come at this from a slightly different angle and and it's all to do with what I think is we call mindset. So if if you have the energy... What and does everybody else call it? <laughs> well, no, I, I, are you going to make me lose my trail of thought here? So <laughs> shut up. So what, what I was thinking is if you move... If you're going to go into property, you want to go in with some passion. You want to get started. You don't want to procrastinate. You know, they say, don't wait to buy property, buy property and wait, you know, all the cliches. But it, but it is true. And what I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to say is that single lets, yeah, that they are a great strategy and they're right for people at the right time. But if you need income, then if you get one single let and it gives you £200 a month and you get stuck and you can't then go and buy another one, and you can't go and buy the next 10 then what resources have you got left? You'll give up. So if you really need income, then I think you should start with HMOs because starting well, and there's a um, there was a study done, and I can't remember the name of the study, and we'll put it in the show notes if um, if I remember. There was a study done that looked at how starting well, that kind of that initial impetus where you, your motivation's really high, you're really on your game, you've got all the energy to get out there and do this, that you actually, that is the kind of a long-term predicator to success so if you start well you'll you'll 
definitely going to do better in the long run. And it, it's kind of a, a sort of a natural bias that we all have. And it makes sense, right? So if, if you start a habit really well and you get through January after your New Year's resolutions, you're going to continue the rest of the, week, the year because you kind of got that great start. But if you don't start... I've just, I've just typed in starting well on the internet to see if I could get the study, but it's just come back with a load of um, NHS stuff. <laughs> <laughs> NHS, sorry. Um, so... You, so yeah, so I would say HMOs, and and so I suppose you know, what are your thoughts? Do you agree? No. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> no. As I say, do I agree with? I don't agree with the statement. I want to cut my teeth on buy to lets. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a fallacy when people um, talk to, I suppose, other people in the industry that haven't got it quite right, because people have this perception that you can't get a HMO mortgage unless you've got experience with buy to let property first, and that's not true. So you can, provided you're a homeowner and you own your own home and provided that potentially you have got a full-time job, then there are products out there for first-time HMO landlords. Now, the interest rate is a bit higher because obviously the risk levels are going to be higher. But I think if you're going to go into a single-let property and you're going to put your 25% deposit down, your stamp sheet is going to be down, your legals will be the same, you'll have a bigger conversion cost because it's now HMO and you need to do it to HMO standards. But the return on that investment is going to be far, far greater than that single let for relatively the same ingoings when it comes to the cash. Mm. So how would you think then about maybe starting with a rent-to-rent, even if you've got the capital oh, yeah. to get into oh, okay. HMO? I don't think I'd start with rent-to-rent if I've got the capital to buy. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, I think, rent. is it rent-to-rent next week? Um, it might or the week be after? The week after yeah. I think it's on the schedule. Now, I, I'm a big advocate of rent-to-rent. So for those that are listening, a rent-to-rent, if you don't know what it is, is where you would control somebody else's property for a period of time, usually between three and five years, on a lease or a management agreement subject to mortgage conditions. And then you would trade that property as yours and you would take the tenants on and you would cash flow from the tenant's rent and you'd give a guaranteed monthly fee each month to the owner of the property that's whether it's empty or not now i don't want to get too much into rent to rent because we have got another show on it but i think that if you've got money in the bank and you're in a position to buy then buy yeah yeah keep it simple there's no point in overcomplicated now if you can't buy because you don't have money in the bank then rent to rent is a great way of starting you could either build a cash buffer by saving all of the income if you don't need it right now and that can go towards a deposit so you can buy in the future or maybe save 50% as a cash buffer. But it is a really great way of starting with little, or well, I was going to say no funds. I mean, you, you always need money to start a business, right? You always need money for marketing. You'll need money for professional fees, etc. But I think it's a great way to get going. It's low, isn't it? It's a low in. It's a low in. Yeah, definitely yeah. a low in. But I think if you're in a position to buy, then buy, you know? I mean, we're yeah. all out, you know property goes up in value and you know depends on which report you read but don't shoot me you know every 10 to 15 years in certain places in the country it could not always but it could double in value so if you're in a position to do it then get out there and do it Lorraine's laughing right because I put these statements out all the time right I'm very (laughs) I was just wondering how many more caveats you could squeeze in there I'm very over (laughs) on social media but that every time I do an, an opinion every time I do a prediction a market prediction or anything else I'll just get a million comments back so I'm just gonna put that out there to say it might do it might not (laughs) yeah okay so So, um 
Well, one thing I wanted to add when you were talking, it made me think, you know, I think if people are nervous of getting into HMOs, then um, one of the things that we would teach in our training programs is to, for our students to go and view as many HMOs as possible. Mm. You won't believe some of the standards that are out there. And it's quite easy to find them on Right Move and Zoopla. Just type HMO into the keywords and a load of stuff will pop up. Go and view them. Get really confident about the product that's out there and how much you can offer in terms of your skills. And you'll be shocked at how confident that makes you feel in terms of actually being able to then go out and buy a HMO. Let's, so, pick, let's pick that confidence thing up a minute because yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a misconception and sometimes people say, look, there's no point in me going to view a property if I have got no intention of buying, mm-hmm. right? But how do you know if you if, if you can buy it? How do you know if it's suitable? How do you know if it's not open to negotiation until you go and view the property? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to sit you know, behind the desktop and you're doing desktop analysis of deals, well, that's based on the, the, the asking price, which isn't necessarily market value. Nope. So as you've just said, you've got to get out there. Yeah. And you've got a view because you've got to get in front of the agent. You're going to get in front of the vendor. You've got to find out what their motivation is. You're not going to learn any of that. You're not going to do right. any of that by sitting at home in front of your computer. So whether you think that the property works or not, you should still view it because then you can start the negotiation process because they might tell you that they can take an offer. They might tell you that they're motivated for a quick sale, which you wouldn't get unless you get out there to view the house. Yeah, and and we could go down so many rabbit holes here, um, but today's show is about our HMO's a job. So, Rich, do you want to talk to us through what you think people's perception is, why they're thinking a HMO's a job? Yeah, it's a really big one, I think. It's again, it's the misconception, isn't it? It's the misconception of what people think's involved in HMO. People think that you're going to get a load of bad tenants. You're going to have ASB. You're going to have ASB? problems. Antisocial behaviour. Everyone knows what ASB is. No, they don't. <laughs> and you're going to get antisocial behaviour. You're going to get drug dealers, etc., etc. And then that just clouds their mind and they think that that's the way forward. That's the way they're going to be running their business. And of course, you know, if if you do have those tenants, it will be harder work for you. It will become a job. It will be something that you'll probably end up leaving over a period of time because it will become too much. But if you go back to last week's episode, and I think we talked about tenant type and how to get the right tenants. If you put the right tenants in a HMO, the same as a single let, then you can set and forget. The churn rate shouldn't be really any more than six months because we use six-month AST. That's an assured short-hold tenancy agreement contract with each tenant. So they should really be staying there for six months. And that would be the same in a single let. It wouldn't be any different. So the maintenance issues perhaps might be a little bit more because there's more traffic in the house. But if you've got a good maintenance team and if you leverage, then all of this can be relatively passive. Now, I'm going to be careful what I'm going to say here because... To be deemed as a business, you have to have more than 20 hours a week into the business, right? So just to put that out there, if you're an accountant, yes, I know. If it's a business, you have to spend more than 20 hours a week in that business. But it doesn't have to be you particularly as the operator. It could be a member of your staff or you can leverage. You know, you can be operating the business from the office, but you don't have to go out to every maintenance call. Now, maintenance is one of the biggest issues, Lorraine, when it comes to HMOs. Mm-hmm. And call-outs for people locking themselves out is probably 
at number one on that list. Yeah. And there's ways around mitigating that with key safes, with um, call answering systems like All Day PA or Miss Money Penny or all of those. So do you have a call a maintenance um, script with all day PA? So what, um, yeah, I mean, this brings me on to maintenance is going to be the biggest issue and that's going to be the thing that's going to put most people off from going into HMO. So here's a really big tip. I'm going to try and give you some really good insights on each of these podcasts. Now I can give you a really good maintenance system and it goes like this. If you get onto the internet or if you perhaps get, you know, your local trade magazine, the one that we get maybe every one month or two months with a list of all local trades in there. I think everywhere has them in the country. Yeah. Get in touch with a local maintenance person or a handy, handy, I wouldn't say handyman because that's what people are called, right? So a local handyman, local maintenance person. Handy lady. Okay, handy lady, handy, <laughs> handy person. Oh, could you say handy person? Yes, yeah, right. yes, we so get, right, get in touch with a handy person and give them a call and... Say something like, I'm a property investor, or I'm a landlord, I'm a landlady, and what I'd like to do is, if it's okay with you, I'd like you to take on the maintenance of my property. And they're going to say, yes, of course, I'll do that, no problem. But what I also want to do is give you my job phone, so the company phone, so you can take the calls, but it'll be on a separate phone, it won't be on yours. And the reason behind that is that if you ever go on holiday, or if you go sick, or if you leave, then I can just literally take that phone off you and give it to somebody else or hold it myself so you don't have to tell the tenants. Then get yourself over to Carphone Warehouse, or if it still exists, or wherever it is now, Curry's PC World. Grab yourself a phone on a pay-as-you-go contract if they still exist, or a very cheap contract, and then give that number to all of your tenants when they check in, accompanied with a maintenance policy. And a really easy to understand maintenance policy with a traffic light system. So red, amber and green. So if it's a green, it'll be something um, that isn't really that important. Maybe a light bulb's gone out in one of the rooms that, you know, they've got two lights, so it doesn't really matter so much. If it's an amber, it would be something that needs fixing within about two or three days. Something that's not a problem at the moment. Maybe a cupboard's fallen off and they need to put the cupboard on or they've got two fridges and one isn't working, but one is. And then if it's a red, that's an emergency. So no power, no access to the property, security risks, leaks, electric problems, all of those types of things. And give that to your tenant and say, right, so if you perceive it being red, then you call this number and we'll come out within two or three hours. If you perceive it being amber, then of course you call the same number, but you've got to wait, you know, maybe a day or two. And if it's green, okay, we'll get around to it maybe on the monthly inspections. And that's all we do. Now, if you use this system, then you're going to take yourself away from being that maintenance person. It doesn't need to be you. And all you're going to do then is agree a price with your maintenance or your handy person on how much you're going to pay them per job and then give them authority to spend money at the house without even calling you to ask you. So give them a limit of, say, £200. If it goes over that, they have to call you. And then they have to ask you for your permission. And that's exactly what we did, Lorraine, when we started yeah. our property business. And it took all of the maintenance issues away from us our overnight, completely stopped. And that was like nearly a decade ago now. And we're still using the same system. But you don't really think about all the things you set up. And as you were talking, I was sort of mentally going through my head thinking of all the systems that we've slowly evolved. Um, 
but some of them are pretty pretty easy to set up and it just requires that little bit of extra time at the beginning the foresight doesn't it of actually what it is you're going to do and then and then you just take action put the systems in place what you don't want to be doing is putting yourself in the middle of it occasionally still in the office now I put myself in the middle of some scenarios and I'm the worst person ever to put myself in there because as soon as I do, the communication goes out the window. Nobody knows what's going on, um, and I create a bit of chaos. Um, I don't know if you feel the same about that, but I'm. I, I, <laughs> I think too many people trying to deal with the same thing is going to create that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're better off. Our team are probably better at doing the job than we are now. Yeah. Um, and and when there are issues, you have to look at the issue. I think as a as a situation or an opportunity to create a system or process that actually solves it, that fixes it long term. And I think, Rick, actually, we were talking about superpowers on the way up here. Um, I'm not sure you can say this. No, I'm, I'm, no I can't. Um, but we were talking and we were asking each other what our superpowers were. Um, and I'm, my brain is completely distracted now. But basically, we were talking about superpowers and how we had different superpowers. And I think we actually your superpower is, is actually being being able to envisage and see those systems and processes and systemizations. Well, yeah. I mean, I created GoTenant. Exactly. I, you know, so for those of you don't, that don't know that um, GoTenant is a property management platform that I and my partners created, oh gosh, I don't know, eight years ago or so now. So yeah, yeah systems is very much... Uh, but you did say, what what is your superpower? And then you said, you know, what do you find the easiest to do with no effort? And I said, sleeping. <laughs> i'm not sure that's that's powerful or helps you know powerful for me uh, you know superman wouldn't describe his superpower as you know sleeping i'm the world's flying. best sleeper yeah he's, how, how do they help people how do we get onto this we're talking about hmos well yeah <laughs> true so t- tell us some more about go tenant you know you, you kind of you've glossed over the benefits of actually why that works in hmos and how that stops people having a job really there is a real benefit for that yeah so go tenant i sort of conceived many many years ago and it was actually at a rent to rent property that we took over Lorraine. do you remember we were there i think our kids were there and we had yeah. our dog there as well yeah. and it was just bedlam kfc yeah we had a kfc the kids were fighting and chucking chicken wings at each other and you know i don't know pieces of chicken and baked beans and all sorts it was just awful and I was up a ladder and I was doing everything that we tell people not to do. And that was, I was painting what was a magnolia wood chip wall at the time. <laughs> oh, back in the day. I had a cheese sandwich in one hand and my phone was ringing and it was ringing and I wasn't taking the calls because I couldn't because it was just too much work. And it was ringing with prospective tenants, not just for that house because we'd already started the marketing but for properties that we'd already had. Now, we got to, at this point, about 50, I think about 55 rooms, yes, about 55 no. tenants. So we were we were growing. It was getting quite big. And I wasn't taking the calls. And then when I was taking the messages and I was calling them back, it was too late because I'd found other accommodation. So I thought, you know, there's got to be a system in place here. There's got to be something that allows me to put everything online. Now, I was the guy that was using the Filofax, Right, I don't know if you can even buy filofaxes, but that was my thing. I was an ex-cop. I didn't have. I think you have to be over seventy still. <laughs> I didn't have anything that linked together. It was just, it was just alien to me. So I decided to go and have a look to see what was on the market, and there, uh, there was only one other property platform for HMO landlords that was just about being released. And that was Arthur, and there was nothing else. But what it didn't do was 
look at the tenant recruitment process. So that was a big gap in the market and that was missing. I wanted something that helped me walk through what step to do next. I wanted something that would link to my diary and link to my um, text messaging system so I'd get a reminder when a tenant booked a room and there was nothing. So I started to create my own. Now, I'm not a coder and I, you know I'm by far computer savvy, but I went and started to look at third-party systems and, and calend, calendar booking links and text messaging systems. And I put together this rudimentary system that uh, allowed the tenant to book a viewing. They could pick their own viewing from my calendar that I linked on my Mac. And then it would send them a text message to confirm the viewing. And then two hours before the viewing, it would send them a reminder. And if the tenant didn't get back within that two hours, then it would cancel the viewing automatically. And I was like, this is ace. This is great. So I put on this into my, my business and, and started to run it. And then long story short, over about three years, I was actually speaking at a property event in London. And I was in front of about 800 people. And I mentioned this system. And over lunch in the bar, I was just inundated with uh, people just surrounding me, asking if they could have a an insight into this system. So I put it in the classroom and I started to teach it. And I must have trained about a thousand landlords. Then after one of the programs, I received a phone call from one of the delegates. And it went something like this. Hi, Rick. We attended your systems day yesterday. Thank you. We're not really interested in the system. I was like, oh, okay. What well, you found it before then? So, but we are international software developers and we've got a proposition for you. And that was the, the, the first conversation that I had that then led over a period of three years, the coding of what is now, I perceive to be the best private landlords system for HMOs and single lets, which is called GoTenant. And we've been out there now for quite a long time with the most recommended system out there on social media by far over and above everybody else because it's run by us and we're out there, we're active. Now GoTenant does everything I've just explained to you. So it's a whole onboarding process that will keep you compliant. You get notifications on your desktop to tell you where your tenant is in the process. And then on the flip side, you have a rent tracker. We link to zero. That's actually coming next week. So that's going to be a huge, huge thing for us. You can um, check your tenant's rent from the system. You can mail all of your tenants or send them an SMS from the system. And of course, the tenants can report any maintenance issues. Now, we've got third-party access as well. So your maintenance team can access their own version of the system to see what the tenants have reported over the last 24 hours or so. Now, on top of all of that, it's also a property management system which allows you to put your gas safety certificates in. It allows you to make sure that you're compliant when it comes to your electrical testing certificate. And of course, we can send the AST contract out for electronic signature as well. So it's an all-encompassing property management system. Now, if you are interested in having a look at that, we can give you an offer for being part of the podcast. So if you head over to gotenant.co.uk, I'll put a link in the show description and we can give you a 28-day free trial. You don't even need to put your credit card or your debit card in. You can just take it for a spin to see if it works for you. Yeah, and uh, one, of, one of the things I want to talk about with GoTenant is that, yeah, it's systemization. yes, it's compliance, which 
It might not be the sexiest of subjects, but actually the time... What? Of course it is. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but the thing is, with, with all of this, is about saving your time, right? So you don't want to be stood over the printer for an hour printing out all the documents that you need to check in a tenant. You know, yeah, that, and that's, then having to go and that's boring. send it to them, send the application to them by the post, wait for it to come back, yeah. send the references off by the post. Where, oh, by the way, GoTenant does all the referencing automatically for you as well. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, so you don't have to phone up the, the landlord and check that the tenant reference is coming through. That should come through. You don't have to sit outside the property waiting for nobody to show up. You know, there's all of this time. Now, we did some stats and, and we reckon just, you know, we're talking about something like 13,000% return on investment. If we took before and after go tenant, that kind of return. So when we're talking about HMOs being a job, you've got to really start out with purpose. And you've got to think about these things through. But we absolutely have found ways. We, we don't work in the business as such to actually, we have a business. So we have a limited company that is a business. We have staff that actually do all of this and work. If you're doing it yourself, then you've got very minimal time inf- involved. And there are ways you can actually leverage your time and make sure you're the most efficient. Fantastic. Thank you, Lorraine. So based on that, folks, we are going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for being here. Now, we've got an offer for you. Now, last week I said, you know, this is the new brand now. We are new era property podcast. What we'd love you to do is give us a few reviews because, of course, that's going to help the show. It'll help the algorithm as well. Now, in return, what we're going to do, if you could head over to your podcast hosting platform, whether that's Spotify or whether it's um, Apple Podcasts or anything different, and if you could leave a review, if you take a screenshot of that review, and if you send it to the email that I've put in the show description, so that'll be george at New Era Property. What we'll do is we'll send you a copy of my book, 45 Ways to Buy Property. Now, it's a hard, it's not a hardback, it's a paperback copy, and I'll sign it for you as well, just as a thank you for leaving that review on the show. So I look forward to reading them. And Lorraine, what have we got next week? So next week, we are talking about parasites and Ooh. not the crawly, creepy crawly ones. We're talking about whether landlords are parasites. <gasps> That's going to be emotive. Mm. That's going to raise a few eyebrows. Mm. Am I going to rant? Probably. Okay, let's see you on the next show, folks. Take care.